Hey, 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 Dota fans, and welcome back. Big Trent and Sayori podcast here, episode number 174. It's the end of the DPC, and we've got none other than Dakota Cox, the coddle guy, the host of the North American DPC, here to join us to talk all things America's. A little essay, little NA. We've also got the one man to do both. It's Trent Pax. He's juggling all sorts oh, of plates, and he's uh, working that Phillips head screwdriver right now trying to fix his fight stick. Dakota, my man, how are you? How, how you doing after this long six-week grind we just wrapped up? Feeling good, man. It was a grind, but uh, I got to say I enjoyed I enjoyed most of it. Uh, North American Dota is always a pleasure <laughs> to watch. I and, appreciate uh, the most. most yeah, you it. know, it's yeah. like, you know, there's obviously more to improve and uh and do better for season two, which is, you know, something else we can talk about. But the storylines, the journey, the the Dota itself, all an absolute pleasure. And uh, now after a day of rest, uh, it's, it's kind of sad to see that there's not as much Dota going on right now. So there's definitely going to feel a bit of emptiness between now and the five weeks until major i mean it kind of cuts both ways i did a stream the other day and had like 3x the viewers i was averaging during dpc so the lack of constant dota is good for other things you know the podcast numbers through the roof since the dota's done so we, we got that uh to, to to be happy about i suppose but you're right it is weird to go from the all in like it almost reminded me after i was done with exams in university that first day when they're totally done you're like wait, there's nothing I need to be doing right now? It's like it's, you have to rewire to get into that mindset of not being ready for the next broadcast. You know, six weeks, you, you really get in the zone. By the end of it, it, it feels like, what do I do with all this time now? Yeah, it was actually insane. It was crazy. I think I worked 37 of the 38 days <laughs> of that DPC. This fucking so, guy. Uh, dude, it was, I mean, it was good. Not going to lie, it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, but it was super weird the last couple of days. Like, I don't know what to do. All the games I'm waiting for don't come up for a month, and Dota's going to be back on, so I'm kind of pissy, to be honest. I'm, like, trying to catch from my catalog. And then I also just want to play Dota, because now I've been watching so much Dota. So, you know. Yeah, I feel you there. Um, Trey, you are the only one to do both regions, NA and SA. Of the games that you watched, which region was better? Objectively. All right, I I made it. I made a joke to somebody on Twitter, and he was like, SA's the worst. Like, did you even watch NA? And then he said, did you? And I kind of thought, no, not really. <laughs> but um, uh, all right. Well, I only did a couple lower, so I can only really speak for the uppers okay. of the two regions. All right. Which, uh, I only did like two or three uh, of the lowers in NA. Uh, NA was probably better overall, uh, like skill wise. Okay. Uh, like especially in the top like five, like that's. They've got like four know. Beast Coasts in NA and we've got Beast Coast and like then there's this. Thunder Predator, SG, kind of... It's it's just different. Like, I yeah. think Beast Coast could take anyone in NA for sure, but I don't know. Like, And probably Thunder Predator, too, to be honest. I think Thunder Predator are very good. But I think the drop-off to, like, SG, no ping, unknown, is much sharper than the drop-off to Zoomers, Undying, and even Sad Boys. Okay. I think that's, that's probably That's what it's all fair. about, right? I mean, and then you would say in Europe, they have an even further drop-off. They have this bigger, a massive teams that can probably hang with the best. And then the drop-off happens later in the lower division. Yeah. As someone said in chat here, now, skill-wise, that might be fair. Now, how about entertainment value? I don't know if the answer oh. changes, though, because the, the NA games were pretty fucking entertaining on average also. Oh, my God, dude. A-team? That team was crazy. Then, and, like, I don't really have much to say about the lowest of the uppers in SA. Like, people, like... Like the defenders and ego boys, it's like I mean they were fine to watch and stuff, and they took surprising games, but like they didn't really have a personality necessarily. A team had a personality. Those guys were insane. 
Yeah. They literally in their first interview were like, yeah, we don't really like sit back. We just kind of like go. And they, <laughs> I remember the first game I watched them, they just ran their faces in endlessly, like endlessly. It was hilarious. They were very enjoyable to watch. Hmm. Yeah. You know, a team is uh, doing something right. If they're like losing every game, but part of you still really wants them to win. You want them to be on there for the winter interview. And, you know, you just kind of want them to succeed. It's like, well, at least they're doing something right. They're putting themselves out there or marketing themselves in the way that you're invested. And uh, I was surprised to see, a, you know, that happen in N.A. a little more than I was expecting. Me, me too for SA. Like I, I had a, an interesting situation though. That team, the Latam Defenders, Dakota, they were like a surprise to make it to the uppers. That they, they made it and like the last minute in the the qualifiers, uh, winning the final series instead of going to lowers. And I really liked their carry player, this guy Cuckahook. And I was really hyping him up. Then like halfway through the season, somebody told me that Cuckahook is a real dick in pubs and that his reputation is pretty like thumbs down. I think, Dude. and that most of the teams had like kind of had Latam defend them, d- defenders number because they saw this vengeance of like, all right, we're finally going to pummel these guys after they've ruined so many of my pubs for so long. Um, oh my God. That's actually hilarious because <laughs> no lie, no lie. I never said it on the broadcast, but you know, we had every Monday we did a media day and we would at least interview one representative from every team and do a, a cookie cutter set of questions to get our generic videos. Like how is your, how do you feel about your last series played? How do you, how do you feel about your upcoming next series? You know, and, and maybe a various other set of questions. And uh, I was surprised to learn how many people find Zabo and A-Team toxic or, <laughs> you know, in pubs they've been, you know, a bit, uh, yeah, toxic essentially. So I, yeah. I can get where you're coming from. It's like I'm trying to build up this perfect Cinderella story of a player and of a team yeah. and just to hear all these other players from behind the scenes go, yo, that guy is actually pretty toxic. Yeah. It's I mean, like, yeah. man. It was kind of like the NA lowers too. There was like a lot of all chat that wasn't like super friendly all chat. It was getting a little like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to gas slow down. <laughs> you have those moments of like, oh, I kind of thought they were joking. And then it keeps going and you go, oh, I don't really think that they're joking. Oh, man. Yeah, um, I, th- I get that there has been a, uh, a stigma on N.A. as it's a very toxic region. And when I at least have interviewed and talked to all the players, I didn't get an ounce of that at all. I thought actually all players were incredibly respectful and nice and spoke well and you know that was an incredible surprise in itself but never really saw any toxicity but they'll talk to each other as if there's this huge toxic vibe happening within the pub scenes maybe even within the scrims and it's just something that unfortunately not unfortunately but it this doesn't surface for us to be able to see so yeah I don't know what kind of story I'm making out for these players and then they find out you know behind the scenes they're actually terrible people <laughs> yeah uh, it's I, it's hard to know. Um, and it was also weird for South America because we were pretty disconnected from the additional content. Like Dota Pit did source some really good interviews with a lot of the players, but all of them were either Spanish or Portuguese first because those are really the primary broadcasts. Like the viewership for the English stream was just okay, let's say, for South America. But if you look at all of the viewership for Spanish, English, and Portuguese combined, South America had like record-breaking viewership for that region. So that is pretty exciting overall. And part of me is like, God damn, I wish more people watched South America. But then part of me is just like, eh, this is the beginning of this scene still continuing to grow and blossom. We're just a little ahead of the curve. 
such is life. That's just how it goes. You know, I keep thinking about the founding of Beyond the Summit and Southeast Asian Chinese Dota. I remember that old mission statement. We're going to bring Southeast Asian Dota to the Western audience. I feel like that's a little bit what's happening in South America right now. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a good thing to have, too. But unfortunately, you know, it's like... It's like it feels like the people are not going to come and turn in unless your team goes on and actually performs at the yeah. major, you know, and then brings back maybe an extra slot or at least some extra attention to say that this region can step up and uh, look out for them to, you know, be in the next season and be there to watch them. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping for the same thing for NA too. People looked at NA and it's like this is an EG only region. And the unfortunate thing is that when you look at the standings at the very end, and we said this at the closing of our NADPC, you look at the standings at the end, and everyone would probably just be like, oh, it, it ended as expected. EG's at the top, yeah. Coinsies is the number two. The two teams that we don't know, ATM and 5 and Minus, they're out of there. The pub stacks are in the middle. Yeah. Cool. But we watched the whole way through, and it was, it was not as basic as that. There were some cool storylines. There was upsets, and the, obviously the tiebreakers at the end had a lot of depth to it, so... It's unfortunate that things had to end as face value. So now even more so, I hope that EG and Quincy can certainly perform come major time. I mean, I think that was the blessing of NA is that Quincy was able to beat EG for their only series oh. loss in the round robin. Like, there you go, Trent. Look at you oh, with the fresh, buttons. fresh buttons. Oh, fresh. oh, oh, new stick, not garbage. <laughs> Excellent. Good. All right, continue. Um, but you guys actually have in NA this this tri triangle of teams, let's say, in the top three that are all super competitive. Simply put, it's not an EG-only region anymore. And that is just so much more interesting to watch. You actually have some competition. You have these little rivalries, if you will. In South America, we don't quite have that yet. It's still Beast Coast up here, and then these other teams that are right there but not quite there, and then a whole bunch of teams that are steps below that. And yeah, we need even one... like, for yeah. example, when Beast Coast lost, like... I don't think anyone thought all of a sudden, oh, now they're going to drop more games. You know what I mean? Like that's, even though they're losing, I still feel like they were so much better than a lot of the competition there. Yes. So like very different to NA. Well, I think we also felt like that one loss that Beast Coast had, they just didn't show up. I mean, they were clearly either not slept or uh, they, they not actually appropriately looked fed. I if mean, I had to guess. I'd they, be like, yeah, you guys all went partying last night or something. Like, was there a wedding or something? Yeah, they, they definitely had that. Uh, we've got this easy. Let's outskill these noobs. And uh, yeah, it's it swung the other way pretty quick. So it, it wasn't even like a satisfying upset. It was like, uh, no. oh, God, who's playing on <laughs> their accounts doing? today? What <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if Thunder Predators step up on LAN... You never know, but I, I think it's going to be hard, man. I'm not going to lie. If I'm being realistic, I think uh, one South American team going top eight is is like on the optimistic side of, of possible. Who is uh, Beast Coast slated to go against in the playoffs? Because I know EG slated to go against Southeast Asia, who is now Fnatic, right? So they're going against each other in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who is, who's Beast Coast? going against because i we already talked a bit about that kind of stylistic matchup na going against southeast asia which i think is it's pretty good uh and it's interesting already because you have abed you have ice 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 on eg some of the best in southeast asia now they're going to square up against former teammates former scrim partners and uh should be a wild time what about for beast coast though hmm. i actually don't know have you looked there 
Well, so I'm looking at Liquipedia right now, but how do you know what... Uh, do we know the playoff seeds yet? I don't think that we do. I can't remember how I had gotten... I'd read that info, but it had been put out there, and maybe okay. somebody in the chat would, would know, but it there yeah. was a, a seeding right. already put out there of who they would be potentially play. Maybe it wasn't concrete, but... Yeah. It, it might have just been theory crafting. Yeah, but if anybody knows, I'd be very curious to hear. It's just uh, the six teams listed as the playoff invite um secret Leak. fanatic vp eg beast coast <laughs> yeah unfortunately guys i'm not in that kind of inner circle so i mean it's what i saw was anyway not within a <laughs> it wouldn't be a leak because they, they won't draw any of that stuff until they actually get there right like yeah matchups and all that crap so no worries about leaks or anything real quick though while we're on the major i know trent and i have mentioned it before but dakota thoughts about the wild card this concept of bringing in these six teams to play in like the pre-tournament or whatever you want to call it and then most of them get eliminated like is it worth the quarantine the travel the headache of getting to singapore to not make it i mean it is hype because nigma and liquid are in there so it's going to be competitive and fun but yeah it's it's pretty brutal. How many of the wildcard teams get eliminated? It's four of the Everyone six get two. eliminated. Yeah. The reason why it needs to exist is because of Europe. It's, uh, I think it's kind of like the best way to give Europe and every other region more slots. Like, you know what I mean? Because basically it's for Europe to prove they deserve all four slots. That's, that's essentially what I see it as. Yeah. I, uh, hmm. I see it as the same thing. I feel like it's to be able to get, uh, regions who are just more, top heavy or have clearly just shown that they're the better playing region just the more availability to make it into land and go further uh it does add a lot of hype i'm sure as a viewer and as a spectator i agree with you though thinking about the extra processes that they're gonna have to go through with the COVID situation sounds rough but i'm sure the players will not turn it down regardless i take feel, every chance they have <laughs> i guess t1 are in the region already but um yeah, I, f I feel a little bad for T1. I guess the same concept for China, though, right? Because the wild card is two Europe, two China, one C, one CIS, and then zero for North America and South America. Um, to me, it's basically an everyone wins, though, because now you're going to have scrim partners that are there, too, right? As as both a team that's going, like, that's a crazy good experience for any of these teams to make and, and get knocked out. Like, sure, that sucks, but you get a scrim the whole time you're there. Teams will want to scrim you because they don't want to scrim teams that are still in the tournament. Like, you can gain a lot of stuff being yeah. there. Very true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who qualifies from China, of course. Uh, still, what, two weeks left on that coverage, thanks to yeah. uh, Chinese New Year? That's exciting, actually. I kind of want to watch more China now. It's cool. I, I don't know. I really like watching China. It's like, I watched a ton of it during quarantine. Uh, I was I was really hoping I'd get to maybe cover some of it during DPC, but it just doesn't work with like time zones and stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. having a real life and children mm -hmm. and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be exciting to see how that shakes out because there were already like big changes going into the break. And I, I'm kind of curious, like it looks like IG haven't missed a beat coming back because they were kind of a surprise anyway. So five and oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I am with you on that. Unfortunately, you know, China, Southeast Asia, I've probably given the least attention to just because there's not enough hours in the day to be able to Same. watch. And, you know, I love that show set up, the PGL crew, Lacoste and B-Cop. I think that when I have tuned in, it's been quite enjoyable. But uh, it, it it is going to make things extra exciting come international time. And something I said a couple of times uh, throughout our broadcast was just that with the COVID situation, with it being so long since we've had any sort of international land or cross-pollination of ideas and meta 
everybody's idea of the meta is just so isolated from everyone else that it's, it's those first few days, even when teams touch down, start scrimming, they're going to get a quick lesson on who has got the better idea, Dota. And yeah, then they're going to have actually. to real fast. I wonder, and that's what I was like wondering, is like how long before they start rechanging their idea of the game? Like, oh God, we lost three scrims or Dude. we lost one official. It's time to think about other heroes it's time to think about other ideas real fast that's one of those big coach and captain dependent thoughts i'm sure like mm -hmm. some teams i'm sure are able and more willing to adapt and some might be more willing and less able they might like kind of freak out you know and yeah. not have the experience to figure it out quickly it's definitely uh, an infrastructure thing and that, that's where you'll see those teams like uh, make the run through the lower bracket you get knocked down caught off guard and then all of a sudden you figure it out and uh, you make the comeback it's pretty hype I, i'm a little jealous dude i want to cover this major of all the majors to cover this is a a pretty top tier one in terms of the gap of time since the last when, when was the last actual lan event what year and a half was ago? it that was it that summit we did a whatever was things, before when things ESL got LA. got crazy and then the esl event took place but that was like a talent on-site only event yeah what was the last event before los angeles because that was basically the the last attempt remember. and that got canceled so whatever i went to that singapore was. and then i came back i didn't fly anywhere after singapore because i remember that was the last place i went because that was like december i think Maybe it so was. Maybe, the so, summit. were you guys having a little pre-LA uh, event? Is that what was happening? Yeah, we did a Dota Summit. I think it was Dota Summit 12. Was it 11 with the creep? March 10th to 13th? And oh, that yeah, is that like the event it. where Tsunami, we hired Tsunami, but then he was coming from oh, that event yeah. and he may have possibly had COVID. He ended up not, but we could not take the chance. So, he just sat Dude. in a hotel and we had to send him back with pay, of course. But just, <laughs> uh, you know a wild situation when everything was going on and we already had players there and everything. And they're like, are we going to be able to get home? So that, yeah, <laughs> so it was like exactly a year ago, dude, March 10th, 2020. I think that was our Jeez. last event. Yeah. Holy so shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. Whoever works this event, like the anticipation is so high. I mean, at least as a Dota fan to see these teams once again, cross pollinate and just figure out who has the better idea of the game. I'm a, uh, I'm so stoked because now more than ever, and I've learned from talking to most of the teams, they care about in NA, they care about laning so damn much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and even for people like Saberlight, number one EU player coming, he's like, damn, I was not used to how they care about lanes here. I'm just getting wrecked by these uh, enchantresses, by these witch doctors, by these, you know, heavy hero damage position fives. He's like, and then he even had felt like, I don't know how that will work when we get to the big stage. You look at EU and they all team fight. If they make it through that laning stage, they're just going to out-execute. But will they make it to that team fight stage? Well, and they have two good lanes and crush them and starve them. Yeah. I don't know. And what would you say is like, you know, South America's trait, superpower, whatever it may be as they bring it to the uh, international stage that they have better than any other region? I mean, their best feature is probably individuals. Like, I found the individuals. I don't know if that just means the team is weaker in some sense, but, like, there were definitely players on the weaker teams that stood out. And it's not even, like, a miracle situation where it's like, oh, they're all throwing their bodies to make his game good. It's like, no, this guy's, like, playing Leshrac, and he's just bodying people. And you're just like, wow, this guy is clearly better than his teammates. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of, like, the individual player swag that was happening, mm -hmm. I thought, uh, across both uppers and lowers. 
I think the hallmark is still somewhere in that aggression realm. You know, there's that old school reputation about SA players kind of playing like young Sue male that I don't want to just win. I want to demoralize them. The, we just lost the team fight. So now let's five man smoke at them because they'll never expect us to do it without black hole. Um, those unexpected, what most people would probably call YOLO plays, um, they do weirdly work sometimes. It's that example of if you're playing along the meta, but you know you're inferior to Team Secret, what's one way to catch Secret off guard? Do some shit that they'll never expect. You know, you can see that in any other game, any other sport. Um, sometimes just being unpredictable can win you games, and uh, that coupled with high individual skill, like Chris Luck and... Uh, you know, K1 and these guys, they they still have the individual skill where you go, wow, they're really going to pick Sven? thought that hero was dead. And you watch it, <laughs> and you're like, holy fuck, this guy just made Sven look like a meta hero again. That was stupidly flawless. I can't believe he bought Midas on Sven. Who the fuck does that? This fucking guy. And he's, too, he's like farming like an alchemist here. Um, there's still weird shit like that that I think will catch people off guard at the major. So is, is that a... Is that a hallmark? Is <laughs> or is yeah, that just... are they gonna have the cojones to do that against the secret? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I know that people look at SA, they see a team like Beast Coast, and I'm sure they're hungry at the opportunity to scrim and practice against them because they're really that good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope that they can kind of show up and bring that extra bit of flair, and uh, not just kind of buckle down in what they feel is kind of safe. So you know? I'll give you. Give you two free tips here, Dakota. All right, there's oh, two. Don't tell them the secrets. There's two heroes in South America that they are disproportionately obsessed with that I don't think are particularly good in the meta. It's uh, the uh, hold on. Oh, yeah, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, you got it. You got it. And they were into it too. It's the tiny, and it's the tusk. Both of them on position four, but oh, no. also the tiny play in mid occasionally. They love to like oh. pick the tiny first as if they're going to take it mid. Then pretty much every game, they're forced into putting it four because tiny mid is really not that great right now. And every oh, no. game we go, ah, the tiny four again. And more often than not, it fucking wrecks, dude. Same with the Tusk. They, they love these really aggressive, I'm going to run at you, block you out, fuck up your shit fours that can kind of snowball a game. And they they make it work more than we always anticipate. Is that fair, Trent? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> it's weird. I, I don't know. The so passing on, uh, passing on stuff like the Earth Spirit, huh? No, no, they're obsessed with that hero, too. They like him, too. Okay. He's been getting banned more. At least towards the end, we were seeing more Earth Spirit bans. He's so good that he's, like, finally... Get that guy out of their territory. The Tusk is in that sweet spot of not good enough to ban, but still high enough priority that he makes it through more often than not. All right, yeah. So a constant roaming aggressor for, though, mm -hmm. which, uh, yeah, could definitely catch some teams by by surprise if they're not ready for it. You know, I, I don't know, though. Other teams might see that, and they look at the lane that doesn't have a four anymore and just say, oh, we'll just take advantage of that person being alone and, and construct a harder laning phase against it. But... Uh, They've been loving Phoenix and Kunkka tiny. also. That, that's the other two. We saw a position three Phoenix from Whisper, uh, I think, in their last uh, last game against SG. That was surprising but effective. Shit like that, man. Their drafting is just a little different. Sometimes they are challenging to draft against because they love to flex these heroes. Like, Did you guys see the position five Viper at all in NA? The position five? Position five yeah. Viper, yeah. I feel you guys might have had a couple. Yeah, we definitely had 
position three vipers. We had position two vipers. No surprise on those. We may have had one position support viper. I can't quite remember now, though. We had multiple teams first picking viper, and it works because oh, no. they flex it between five, three, and two. So you literally yeah, it was pretty solid. Don't there. know what, what to do against it. Yeah, if you have last ruined pick, a lot of drafts, it's crazy effective. To be honest, like, I was surprised at how little flexibility NA was kind of showing, right? It felt like they were mostly like, let's secure stuff like the early spirit for our mid laner, and that won't even be flexed at all. And then using the power of the second pick to get their win condition early and just banning that throughout, whether it be a timber saw, whether it be a monkey king, mm -hmm. or uh, uh, I'm blanking on whoever else, but it's just, or alchemist, you know, maybe a little cheesiness here and there. Yeah, but uh, it's not being flexed. Maybe a little flexibility here and there, but we found more often that it didn't work to their favor or not. So maybe that's hmm. a downside for NA is things being a bit predictable. I felt like there were actually surprisingly a good amount of times that the panel is like calling picks, which is neat. It makes us feel good. But at the same time, I don't know if that should make the players feel good. If yeah, we're predicting that way the, too. You exactly. know, so it's it's like I think that could be a downside for NA is that we don't have the flexibility and things could be a bit predictable, but they probably feel comfortable because they have enough of a hero pool that's like, okay, sure, you want target ban, my first three or four options, I'll go for the next one. We'll still do it to a high enough level that we'll get what we need for the mm -hmm. win condition. So, I, yeah, I got to say, we're not seeing all this like, oh, we'll get the Viper first and flex it around. No, they get the old trusty, you know, Enchantress or a Witch Doctor, get it with a win condition, <laughs> ban as best you can, and then work around what you see on the other team. Maybe get then get the Viper out later if you feel like, it's something necessary. Okay. Who do you guys think was the uh, the best hero? It doesn't matter what region, like across all regions. I think it's a best little bit tough hero. for me. Um, like, it's kind of hard not to pick Puck, I, I guess. Was, Maybe we can just like count out Puck it. just because, like, okay. I mean, Puck was by far the most contested. There's like 91% of drafts across all regions the hero was, uh, was contested in. Um, but to me, I think two big heroes that like weren't quite at that level, like Tidehunter near the end started being picked a lot. I think he finished oh, yeah. extremely strong. Yeah. Um, and like halfway through the league, we had that knock stats piece and NA was repping the best Tidehunter in, in all of regions and playing it the most and getting a great win rate. And then they kept doing that throughout yeah. the end for sure. I'm actually so strong. I'm not pandering with this answer. I actually think Coddle uh, by the end of it stand out <laughs> as like most effective hero ability to break games most effectively was stacking and pulling people around like those coddle kunkka games we saw uh coddle ember coddle mars all these ridiculous combos plus he opens up like bristleback and all these like laning partners um i don't know is coddle a crazy shout for contender here i was gonna say puck so if he's s tier i think coddle's right up there in like the a plus tier no coddle coddle did very well he's one of those like little anomalies like he had 170 picks 169 actually scary uh, and he's like a 54% win rate. Like that's that's very good across mm -hmm. the regions, especially because yeah, like he's he getting was... picked up early a lot of the time too. Yeah, I felt like he was just mostly banned. Like he was yeah. still, he was yeah. a high stock hero for NA. It's just we never got to see him because he was mostly banned in the one two. So teams would hope to grab like that Monkey King I was talking about and not have to worry about him. Yes, uh, he was one of the most banned heroes. He was in like the top ten. -ish. Yeah. I would say at the first two weeks, we were all riding the OD train and saying OD was probably the biggest hero. <laughs> I know, dude. 
every then, draft, you guys just talking about OD the whole time. And I was sitting there just like, what the fuck are they talking about? OD sucks. <laughs> but the what players is right? were too. Everybody was on this OD Kool-Aid for sure. <laughs> and then Puck was there the whole way through. And then they're kind of like, you know, OD, it's fine and all, but we don't really need it. And they just got back to doing like Void Spirit available all the time or something i love it dude guest trent is like why the fuck are these assholes talking about od every game what do they know that i don't i think it's just like he's really really good in pubs but i think we saw it kind of at the side of our league too and over time it just looked worse and worse it's like didn't really have the best lane matchups it ends yeah. up going mid a lot of the time because the way the draft works out because suddenly they're like oh but why don't we run this in offlane od when we can run a mid instead versus this like whatever hero like some melee hero you want a dumpster and then suddenly you're not this like off lane OD. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like if the teams are coming into the league and that's already like the hot commodity hero and they're scrimming and they're already kind of have answers. And that's why we're seeing like maybe like Nick's assassin come out super heavy in the early part of the league. It's just like, all right, well, this guy's been figured out. It's time to just put him behind. That happened way early on in the league, perhaps. But yeah. you're right. It definitely had a bit of overhype. Maybe it was already figured out early. But either way, teams threw that hero aside and moved on. Uh, biggest statistical sleeper by far was Phoenix. The hero was yeah. only contested in like 39% of drafts and it had a 65% win rate over 146 games. Is that that's all regions? Insane. Or yeah, that's what? every region. Yeah, Phoenix was huge everywhere. Not NA. It was actually one of the worst <laughs> nah. win, rate, win rates in NA and was barely picked. I mean, a huge team fight type hero, but... Uh, I always say yeah. it about that hero, AoE percentage healing. Always yeah. good. Like, it's just... It has the power to turn fights with just regular old sun rays, and then, of course, the ulti is... It's a big one. We saw it just paired with Mars a lot. Like, we we, we did not see Phoenix yeah, picked just because... Like, I think that hero has a high win rate because you pick Phoenix to fight around Phoenix. Like, we always see these heroes that can protect the egg very well, like a Pac or a Mars or We had specialist Undying. five players, too, who, yeah. who played it. It was, like, their what? big hero, and they'd pick it a lot of the times, too. Dude, Fly came on Winter Interview, and when we was asked, like, is there a hero that you'd want to play but can't, he said Phoenix. Like, he can't play Phoenix well, right do now. do it up, that. bitch. Start picking it because it's <laughs> possible. And Strip says that hero can't win a lane. We're not playing it, and that's that's just the fact. If you know, maybe we'll if we can survive the laning phase, if we really value the team fight, like a Mars as well. It's like, oh, Mars mm -hmm. is he's got to struggle in the laning phase, but we really need that arena and we need that setup, so we'll put him in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, yeah, NA just is like the lanes first. Can they win the lanes? Can we make it out of the lanes without being? A, they want to be able to play Dota. If you can't win the lanes, you're not even going to be able to play the game. That's honestly, it feels like I the mean, motto. That there is truth there, but I, I definitely agree with that assessment compared to these like real T1 European teams. Come 30 minutes, you're just going to get out metagamed. They're, they're going to work yeah. the map better. They're going to move better. You're, it, it, <laughs> they're going to coddle you better. Yeah, dude. It's just, it's way harder. It, it's, it's a cliche, but it's kind of a different game at that point once you get out of the lanes. Um, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, though, lower division, dude, Arkosh Gaming, Dakota. Um, dude, talk to me about Arkosh. So, I couple layers here let's start at the, the bottom of the pyramid it, is this cool like do you think i want your first first reaction yeah like the idea of anonymous players slacks is the manager that the, the kayfabe type thing the heel if you will cool neutral or lame i mean i think what slacks is doing is super hype it's obviously uh a marketing push to try to get more eyes on na dota I mean, there's no faulting on that, so I think that's obviously a great thing. I can also understand from the player's perspective how it's awkward on the competitive level to not know who it is. You know, I feel like we came up with a good solution for that so that everyone mm -hmm. they're playing against knows their roster. 
I want to give huge props to everyone in NA for somehow not leaking that roster officially. I mean, there's been a lot of people talking about who's on the team, and maybe there's people out there who know for sure, but you know, it was never like put on total blast. So yeah. it's also the misinformation tweet campaign, whatever, you, know? you know, that's the thing. You, you just got to plant some seeds. It's you got to use the Trumpian politics against them. You see, right. You got to throw some some hints out there. You know, you got to get get, uh, you know, some Trent sounded motherfuckers doing interviews and stuff. So huh? some doubt. I, I, I sounded like there was a Canadian that that, that, team that potentially. Guy sounded very sexy. That's all I know. Couple a uh, couple north of the border type folks. Yeah. But the fact is that. They're the most watched lower division team for sure. They even beat out some of the upper division teams. So That's crazy. they're doing something right. So if these other teams just took a little bit of that marketing flavor <laughs> and a way to kind of put themselves out there, you can imagine how much further they could potentially go. You know, but you know, I get it. A lot of them it's like just about winning and they think all that showmanship is a bunch of, you know, BS and maybe it motivates them to play harder against Arkosh. But that plays into Arkosh's game, you know. They're hoping to build up rivalries and stories and get you salty at them and all that. And I'm sure if they were allowed to, Arkosh probably would have gone a lot further with the all chatting and everything. So I'd probably watch out for beat the pro series because it's probably a bit more of a stern like guys. True. Do not don't do as much all chat. Don't you know BM. This is the DPC. Pro series is probably gonna be like yeah. If you guys want to do whatever, do whatever. So. <laughs> um, but yeah disappointed that uh, we're not going to see them in uppers because they placed third in lowers. So they were they were right there. They missed they the were. cut under the mm -hmm. cut. The cut cut them right out, man. They beat them. They beat uh, Dog Champ. And because they beat Dog Champ, there was no three-way tie. And little we Nick, not... dude. Yeah. Little, little Nick. Nick in the cut. I mean, those guys are beasts, too. I mean, it feels like they are a notch below Simply Two Based, who is the team who kind of cleaned out the lower division and mm -hmm. were probably better than some of the upper division teams, to be honest. But, you know, just even talking to the cut after they took that loss, they're like, we're feeling good. Like, we're we're feeling like, you know, we got this. We're still a strong team. And, you know, they got a little bit of everything there. Scourge McDuck, that guy can farm. Dude, that guy's so good. He's got a sick name. Little True. Nick, he's like the stylish young talent who probably gets a little ahead of himself at times. It's I, like, you know. It's, I it's didn't know that the cut was majority Canadian. I also didn't know that their offlaner is named Tingle King. Tingle Hell King yeah, is dude. a beast. Dude, Tingle King axe game. Whew. Tingle King. the best axe call after Seb, dude. Th wow. He did. He, he abyssaled an Enigma into a five-man black hole. Uh, well, it was his allies were getting black hole, and they all clumped on the Enigma trying to kill everyone inside, and he abyssaled and called them all. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty beautiful. Damn, I think Lowers ahead, has twelve Canadian players, thirty percent representation. Of course, little skewed because yeah. uh, we don't know what uh, Arkash is. They're just listed as North America with a hybrid flag. That's cute. They're all Canadians. Uh, yeah, confirming all, all Canadian yeah. at heart there. But mm -hmm. only four, I think, in uppers. But still, uh, a pr pretty solid Canadian turnout there. Where the flying fuck is Gelato? What what happened to those guys? Oh. We had a five man Mexico stack for like the longest time in every tier two NA team or even sometimes tier one tournaments. They were just always there. And they just didn't show for DPC. They must be on Arkosh now. Those teams that have vanished <laughs> in thin air, you know, like the Leviathans and the Gelatles. That, and that the, actually makes what was it? Face, sense. Team Faceless, the old Pat Soul. I was hoping to see these people resurface, but, you know, void they boys. did. The Void Boys. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they faded away, or they're in Arkosh now, either way. 
Where is oh, Schlotl? How, how do you spell it? I'm trying to find like the old Wikipedia. X-O-L-O-T-L, I think. That's what I thought. I don't see it listed. I don't think anywhere. they had a page. Wow. This is that's just a, a true Dota. They like, were oh, were they It's Okay? Was that the same roster as It's Okay? That's It's Okay is the team that had gotten DQ'd for having a player who played on different regions. Oh, were they on um, that team? I'm not sure. In which region? Was that uh, the North American? That yeah. makes a lot of sense, actually, that they would have been on that roster. Oh, that's too bad. Damn. Because the, the one that always stands out is definitely Ifrit. Uh, like, I've, I've been watching that guy, like, forever. Oh, yeah. He was a mid lane beast for a while there, for sure. He's been on, like, Not Today. He was on Wheel for a little bit, you know? Oh, yeah. Not Today. There you go. Team Jlotl. There it is. They do have a page. Team I'm Captain. trying to find the Hector. It's Okay roster see if it is the same <laughs> it's probably listed into the uh the dpc for dq'd or whatever yeah that is one one aspect of this dpc that made me sad a uh, surprising amount of teams dq'd i would say but by the end of it um was there any region that escaped the grasp we had uh, one team dq'd in lowers of sa same for north america uh... right one of the lower teams and China at the very beginning, that one guy it wasn't a team, but one guy got kicked, right? Because of uh, they got blackmailed that apparently he had match fixed before. Oh, good. Uh, but he claimed he didn't. He said that yeah, I got paid off, but I lost the series before where I would have had to pay it. Like blah blah blah. Anyway, they still kicked him. Ah. Um. So the team was still allowed to play though. So I don't think in China technically a team got DQ'd. But yes, every region had an issue. Yeah, God, that's uh, where it's like surprised, but not surprised. You know, it's a lot of money, and it is the first season too. So you expect people like try to test the limits. Um, I'm, and I'm curious, the season two, it's going to be the same, less or even more so, because of stuff like you know Kyle had just written about. It's like the season two is even more important if you're trying to get to TI. This is essentially as close as you're going to get to open qualifiers to TI. Having to work your way in through season two and up all the way to right. TI that way. A longer ladder for sure, but if you want to start, you have to start there. So I don't know if there's going to be more desperation on players to try to make things work. If their own region fails, they quickly jump on another team or something. Or if, you know, now that they're banned, if they're going to try to step off or not. I don't know. Oh, it looks like CIS was clean. Okay. I think they were good. I think in go. my head I confused that with Dendy's team getting relegated and getting zero prize pool. That fucking sucks. Uh, just take a moment to appreciate how terrible that is. Uh, alongside VP Prodigy. Now, to be fair, CIS is very competitive. Their Div 2, I think, is by far the hardest of the lower divisions. But I just I yeah. I want to see Dendy get a win. Not I don't mean like a match win. I mean just like a a big like w you know like just come he on man ti he had his w since yeah but come on man since this fucking team started it has just been disaster after drama after goddamn it after covid after just I, this has been the harshest run of a new team mm -hmm. org i think that has ever existed that hasn't thrown in the towel yet i mean they're still going god bless them these fucking guys <laughs> I thought this would be the time, though, the crossover, the, the Brazilians coming into Ukraine, RDO, Sexy Fat, and Duster, but they had that issue with the coach. I don't know if you guys saw that headline. 
but uh, was it was it a Steeny? I think was their coach, and then he wrote that blog. Did you see that Dakota? That it was, was that the fake COVID one? <laughs> no, I no, don't. That think was so. That was. Oh wait, was that CIS? Someone did fake it. No, that was Europe. That Someone was faked the, a COVID test. Yeah. Okay. To try to cheat the no, stand-in. The, the manager allegedly faked the COVID test, and so the whole team, I think... Um, yeah. The thing with Bate is basically they, their coach was this guy, Estini, right? He's a Portuguese fixer dude in, in that region. He has... Uh, which team is is he? I always forget. Let me, let me Google it real fast because I don't want to misspeak. Is it Midas Club? Yes. He's the founder of Midas Club. So the now, I guess, kind of defunct South American team that's had some rosters in the past. Um, but he was the coach for bait because he came with the three Brazilian players and he wrote this blog basically saying that Duster doesn't try hard and that he's only at 50% and that Estini always tries 110% and that he's headed towards burnout. So he's just gotta, he's just gotta get out while he can. And he just quit like halfway through the season and just fucked off and went back to Brazil. And now he's just been streaming on Twitch talking about match fixing. So Jesus, like just losing your coach halfway through where he's just like, fuck you guys. I'm out. Um, I poked Andy about it and he basically said, I'm pretty sure there was some um, history between the two of them before they came here that I, I don't know the details of. And it's just like, God was damn, not dude. resolved. That fucking sucks. Yeah. But like, what a crazy um, imagine any other scenario you're halfway through. You're on week four of a six week league and your coach writes a blog basically saying, yo, I'm quitting because the position five is a fucking pussy and doesn't try hard anymore. <laughs> like, imagine posting that. And the only reason it didn't get traction is because he wrote it in fucking Portuguese. It was a drama in the Brazilian scene, but I don't think That's anybody true. even bothered to translate it for Reddit because nobody really cares that much. But it's pretty fucked up. In the blog, he wrote shout outs to all four other players. Like, Dendi, you're like the, one of the best captains I've ever had. You try really hard. <laughs> RDO, you're an amazing carry. You're really good. Then when it got the duster, he was just like, yeah. This guy sucks, and there's no way to do a team when your captain and drafter <laughs> sucks. I mean, Jesus. I'm like paraphrasing that a little bit. That is basically the TLD. But like, I hope he'll care again someday or something. I remember there was yeah, some upbeat line at the end. That super passive aggressive, and it's like, even if all this is true, what the fuck, dude? You just like doxed one of your just. Wait till the season's done and then quit and don't write a fucking blog about it. And the part that made me laugh the most was there was a real Zayori moment in there. He was like, I waited 24 hours before posting this to make sure it wasn't a rage post. Like, dog, you should have oh, yeah, waited a good. fucking week. You needed a Dakota <laughs> to come by and be like, homie, you don't got to take your day out on him. All right. Um, that was like a, wow. a real, real emotional post. So, yeah, unfortunately, that didn't get the attention it, it deserves. And obviously, I, I get where you're coming from. Unfortunate for someone like Dendi. Yeah, it's just, just the happiest Dota guy who's just, you know, been the face of Dota for so long and just wants to get back into the upper echelon. And yeah, shit like this happens. You feel for him. Yeah, exactly. Like to me, this feels like a little unlucky. And <laughs> Dendi just keeps getting unlucky. He just keeps finding the hornet's nest and picking it up, thinking there's no hornets in there. And then six months later, these hornets fly out and he just they're, you know, they're all over his bedroom. Oh, what a disaster. Anyway, um, one other thing we can complain about, uh, bottom two teams from lower, zero prize dollars. Dakota, I'm sure you're a fan of this. <laughs> Not at all. No, that's quite unfortunate. Teams investing so much time into all of this and then to really have nothing to show for zero. it all. Zero. So 
so how lame. did that pass the base level inspection I, I honestly don't know because we've we've said it before, but getting relegated out and having to qualify back in is the punishment. You know, everybody say like it's competitive. It's not supposed to be handouts. It's like it's not a handout. Believe me, not not getting relegated is a huge incentive. No team wants to be bottom two out of eight um, with or without prize pool there. But six weeks is a long time. I mean, not like five grand is a lot of money or something, but shit, you know. Make that six grand, five grand, or something to round it out, and I I don't think anybody would argue with that. Now uh, that said, I don't think that is the main reason we're having match fixing issues. You know, I hate seeing that argument all over the place of like, well, there's no prize dollars, so of course those teams are fixing. It's like those oh, aren't yeah, the teams yeah. that are fixing. Zero nine hundred was top of the lower division, going to uppers. They're still betting on themselves and handing out information like it's fucking candy at the bank. I, I mean, that has not. It, it's not just that. I, I agree it's a small in incentive, but it more has to do with policing and people looking for it and basically players thinking that they can get away with it because they've been getting away with it for a really long time because nobody's been policing it. You know, It doesn't matter how <laughs> harsh the punishment is or what the rules are. If, if there are no cops to enforce the law, then cool. There's, there's not really a big risk of getting caught, you know? Yeah, I it's it's hard to say. You can't just be like, oh, they're getting something out of it because they have the opportunity to scrim and play all these games. They're just going to get better at Dota. Uh, I know we haven't been able to speak to a lot of the lower teams because they don't get in on these media day things like we do the upper division teams. But mm -hmm. even the upper division teams who are at the bottom, right? Like your five man Midas, like these are guys who are juggling school at the same time, and they're lucky enough to even make the schedule of matches let alone yeah, carve the extra time for practices or scrims or anything so they really don't have the extra incentive for them to come back and like really grind the game that much harder and it's crazy because there's some of them who are so incredibly talented uh like Ryla lisa right what's his name mm. is uh, on dog champ i believe and you know hearing his story from jenkins perspective was quite intriguing and then we got to actually talk with him a bit you know, this is a guy who is like a renaissance Dota player. Like, he always shows up on these teams suddenly without practice, without playing throughout many months of time. He suddenly shows up, plays mid lane on TA or some swag hero, and carries them all the way through these qualifiers to nearly the end. You know, and when you talk to him, he's like almost a Ben Merlini Wu type, where he's just naturally amazing at these kind of things and is not even giving it his full attention. Is like, oh, you know, I'll try to make it, but I have school first and foremost. And it's like, dude, if you were like all in on Dota, you'd be a fucking god. But yeah, you know, I can't really fault him either. You know, like what's keeping him really in the Dota? He said that if they were to make it to upper division, they probably he'd probably take it a bit more serious, but they didn't. So I don't know what that means. And it's if for me, it feels sad because that's somebody who could yeah. potentially be the next big thing. And that's just one team, and that's. You know, isn't that if completely Europe, rational? What's his, what's his life like? You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, my head goes to uh, what what are the salaries on Quincy crew again? They don't have any dog. That's the they're they're, they're not an org. They're just five players, dude. They don't have any sponsors. Yeah, and they're all that's in. It's not that a too. joke. You know, I even <laughs> yeah, they won Jack. a lot of tournaments, so, you know, they're good. I tweeted Jack, I'm like, you guys going to at least make a Twitter? He's like, no, nah, we are just, this is all the players. If you want to tweet it, tweet at us, tweet at the players. We're, they're pretty much holding out. I, I don't think they even want to pretend to be an org. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I totally get it. I just think that's a perfect example of that team 
is top of the region right now. And if they can't get signed or sell sponsors or, you know, be a real team, I, I don't know how the fuck you could justify sacrificing, you know, real life opportunity costs if you're in the lower division, even if you have that potential to be the, the next Arteezy. They should it's, change their team name to just your brand here. <laughs> really just go all out. Team for, for sale. sale. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude. That's, how that's much, perfect. How much for them to be Team BTS, do you think, at the major, you know? Oh, that's a good question. I really am there. curious if they'll get anything. We could go in major. on it together. Do you guys want to do Moonduck BTS mm. team? Beyond the Duck? Just do something <laughs> crazy? Just really fuck with them? Team Beyond the how Duck? How about the Trenton's IRA podcast team? What do you think, Jack? Give it, think we'll get a discount? We could uh, commission an artist to make a hybrid, like uh, a hippo riding the mountain or something. And we'll... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll do it for the good of the community. It'll be a real branding bastardization. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just they're they're holding up for the big org because they deserve the big org. I think. I mean, I get it, dude. You know, they why want doesn't the Cloud Nine? I was gonna just gonna say, why doesn't Cloud Nine have a go with these guys? They need to stop. No offense, love you, Envy, but burned Cl- by Envy. Cloud Nine needs to move on from from the EE Sama and move on to the Jack Chen. I think Cloud Nine and Quincy Crew really have a lot of parallels. Dude, come on. They, they're dedicated. They've got a solid roster. They've got regional representation. Yawar is a sleeper. Let's go. Yeah, isn't Complexity partnered with GameSoft? Isn't that the whole GameStop yes. store and all that crap? Yes. Yeah, they got cash. Can't Cole sign these guys? And <laughs> aren't they flushing it right now? I wonder why Cole is so done with Dota. Um, I guess, is it the same kind of thing? They were sort of ride or die with the uh, the, the Kyle and uh, Z-Freak pairing for a while, and, and that, that didn't treat them super well in the long run. Um, I wonder if well, it's similar, where they just feel like, been there, done that, don't know how to make money in Dota. Well, weren't they acquired, or aren't they a part of like some... Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Dallas so Cowboys, it, dude. You know, so they just want that. big ticket items. They don't care about Dota. Yeah, they care about uh, <laughs> COD League, Overwatch League, Quincy you know? Crew going to TI. That I mean, who knows? We're joking about it now, but we're so far from TI historically. That's when the buzz kind of comes around. So if Quincy Crew does well at this major, they do well in the next league. I bet, like major two leading into TI. There is definitely some space for that kind of conversation. We'll see a couple of these teams get signed. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They, they I, got to. I feel like in general there were probably some orgs or investors of any degree, whether it be for teams, players, for coverage. They were probably watching season one to see how things work, to see how teams perform, and uh, hopefully in season two and beyond they get a bit more you know. I think – um, Jack should just get on the horn when they're in Singapore. You know, T1 gets eliminated in the wild card. Call T1 head office. Yo, T1. All right. Let me Dude. hit you with this real quick. Send the jerseys down the hall. We'll put them on. Give us merch. We could use a coach. Well, so let's go. I mean, Jack, why, why don't, what happened to the Chinese crossover? I mean, obviously, newbie, was it newbie and forward gaming? Wasn't that, uh, there was mm, some yeah. sale or partnership there? Why don't yes, we revisit newbie that? newbie got totally banned. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> that, that part's Jack's a little. blacklisted. Oh, I see. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> take <laughs> the Chinese money, dude. Just go for it. You know, PSG, LGD, more, more of these uh, Western crossovers. Maybe that's what America needs. Hey, we're selling everything else to China. Why don't we sell our Dota scene as well? Manchester United crew, perhaps. You know, yeah. we'll get. Mm. Although I think my Chinese visa is going to expire soon. I got to get a new one. Oh, geez. 
they could just quickly fall back on good old FYM hot sauce or something. You know, right before if it doesn't work. Out. Dakota, you know, I did a Zyori plus one with Eternal Envy, like not that long ago, but three or four I weeks watched, ago. Yeah. yeah, I after that podcast, I got a DM from the FYM hot sauce guy. He's lurking. He might be listening right now. Okay, no joke. He met. I I made some somewhat aggressive comments about the the quality of that sponsorship. And I were going to say the hot sauce. No, I've never tried the hot sauce. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he assured me that they paid cash up front uh, as well as a commission. But, you know, I asked him if it was more or less than 5K, and I, I don't know if I got a response. So. He said, I'll tell you the number if you don't say it. Oh, yeah. He said, I'll tell you the number if you don't say it publicly. And I said, I don't want to know the number. It was more or less than 5K, and I don't think there was a response past that. So... Pretty small, small ticket stuff, and it's it's. I know that they're a small company and they don't have a lot of cash. It's still just like uh, and something that was set up by EE, right? He yes, said. all it, this stuff mm-hmm. he got himself. So you know he's yeah not a sales. Well, it's just person. that funny conversation though. He's like, it's not worth it because we're not making enough money, and but this is all we can sell. So I don't think we undersold. And it's like, yeah, but if you take a step above that system, the conclusion is underselling yourself makes it harder to actually sell yourself because you've established yourself now at a low level. Um, so that's, I've been there, man. That was Moonduck for the first couple of years. It's, it's hard. It's really hard to sell ads when you don't have a, a history, you know, um, when you're like a brand new team and stuff. It ain't easy. That's for sure. I still the, wish uh... he had stuck with that team though. I, I wish we still had end peace. Like, I think if that was an org that just stayed true and it was always envy at the helm and they kept with it consistently, it could be something. I truly yeah, believe. He went that. on a journey, though. He, uh, yeah. you know, he he left Dota. I know. Yeah. He walked away, changed his diet, got fit, got Chad, took the MSN's throat, but without the Dota, you know, keto now he's back and TFT, dude. That's the secret to success. Definitely a loss to NA Dota, but I'm I'm glad he's happy for sure. I think that's what's most important. That's something he said on your podcast is that he's happy. But I've heard murmurs that this man may return for season two. So, I yes. think so. It'll yeah, be interesting show up on a team suddenly if he joins be, a yeah. lower division team. Because I asked if he'd ever play on Arkosh, and he was like, a lower division team? I would never. Like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> my bad, my bad. Uh, you well, know, you can't blame him either. If he's like, if I'm coming back, the hope for TI needs to be there at least, even if it's a glimmer in the eye, you know? Yeah, no, that's totally true. I, I feel that. It was just funny. Like, I didn't expect such a like visceral reaction. I was kind of just, you know, like throwing Completed. it out there, like thought experiment. Nah. <laughs> Would you get into the kayfabe? Not like, <laughs> do you want to play in the lower division? Um, what about talent wise, Dakota? That did that clip from Malastrix actually had me holding my sides of uh, Suns fan and Jenkins talking about uh, diarrhea episodes. Uh, was, was that a frequent occurrence on that panel? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, any heat from the big guys, you know, any any DMs from Parker, just like, hey, let, let's tone down the poop talk a little. This is Valve Valve broadcast time. Uh, no, not really. But okay. I don't think it was stemming from our broadcast or not. But, you know, there have been mentions of things that we need to be taking out of our, our uh, vocabulary moving forward. You know, really? Uh is yeah, there, I there think, are new rules? And, and, I, and I agree with a bit. Like, for example, like saying something's cancer, I think oh, it's been yeah. one that has been getting a lot of heavy scrutiny. And it's Wait, who's, does Jenkins say that? Trying to pull back. I actually don't know who was saying at the time because I don't too think. distracted by them talking about shit and diarrhea and all this <laughs> random stuff instead and eating hair and all that. Say, so we definitely it, don't say that. that that's, that's in our, our no category, I think. It's, uh, it's been. 
like I, it, it, it's been a blast. First off, definitely has been a great time. And Sunset and Jenkins is definitely a unique pairing. Like we had them for the last summit. And to be honest, I wasn't able to even watch a bunch of that because I was having my kid at the time. So I didn't know how they worked together and what I was really getting into. <laughs> and I knew that they both and Suns fan loves to talk about those kind of things for sure. And then they, I just consider them, they're like shit post panelists. You know, they'll, they'll definitely yeah. talk about the game and they have a lot of, you know, amazing insight, but they're also entertainers and they're great shit posters. And the only time I feel like it gets off the rails is if they just double down the shit posting. Mm-hmm. Like I go to Suns fan for something, he'll shit post, and then Jenkins takes a shit post and double shit posts it further. <laughs> and then I am responsible to bring it all the way back to the game or whatever the topic at I hand see. is. You know, so I think that we could, de- and we were, becoming something a bit better. It was just such a unique setup that uh, we had to find our groove. You know, so it was definitely a bit, a little off-putting for me. I'm not gonna lie, and I'm terrible at hiding <laughs> how I feel about things, as you can see in these videos. Like it's definitely something I'm not good at, but I don't want that to make it look or sound like I didn't enjoy my experience at all. I thought Sunspan Jenkins were hilarious, and I had a fantastic time. But I don't yeah, also I, don't want to feel like the dad who has to like wrangle the fucking order well, that's, and all that. That's what makes it good though, because it it's re- like the fact that you can't hide it is what makes it real, and you know that they know. So part of the fun for them is like seeing how far they can push it yeah. without like actually crossing the line that hard. And it's I I don't that's <laughs> that's bro, just a funny dynamic. You know how it is, we, buddy. Someone has to be the good parent, and someone has to be the bad parent. Sometimes you know. Hey, we get Arteezy on a winter interview like never. Right, rarely get him on, and it's like this is our prime time. Let's ask him some juicy <laughs> ones, you know. And it's like, Jenkins asked him if he'll eat Bulba's hat. That's a good question. <laughs> I can't remember what Sunstand asked before that, but I'm like, dude, we never get this chance. I'm sure people want to know something else about Arteezy besides this shit. Right? What did you want to ask him that you didn't get out? What What was the big missed shot? Oh, uh, I mean, I. I can't remember. I'll always creep in a question myself first, though, to be like, let me get at least something that's not, you know, how do you feel? Yeah, then you like, throw them to the wolves every time. And yeah. here's Sunspan and Jenkins. Yeah, uh, and then, then they'll usually do something a bit like what they call lame, like a basic question, and then throw in a curveball, which I don't mind. I like that kind of thing. And I think it does keep our interviews, intr- you know, very intriguing. But I also don't want to scare away the players from coming on either. So I think the problem is, though, that, like Dota players don't want to talk about anything Dota-related anyway because it's all yeah. so secretive. Exactly. Like all you can ever ask about is like, oh, how did this moment of the game feel, or what were you guys saying? Then that's usually okay. Yeah. They don't they don't mind that kind of stuff, like the calls. But this idea of like, man, why aren't you guys picking Phoenix? It's I can't talk about that. You know. Yeah, so it kind of works having those kind of questions. I think that makes it better. Like, well, you eat Bulba's hat because then you at least you know you get something out of Arteezy when he he won't tell you about Dota. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fun to egg them on in, in different ways. You know, it's like, why are you guys tipping MSS so much? Why are you doing them like that? Yeah. And then <laughs> talk about maybe this potential beef or something like that. Yeah, and I agree with you, Trent. You don't want to ask him, like, so why are you... Dra-? Jenkins will even do this. He's, like, trying to dig out. Oh, these, he like, was so guilty of that. God, I mean, dude, he's in there like, so I noticed that you guys are valuing this pickup here. Da, 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 da. Is this the case? And they're like, dude, I don't want to answer that right now. I'm going to give away all my secrets. That's the thing. Like, you can ask them. They're not going to get offended, but like, they just won't answer. So that's. Crit did the slowest answer ever. He was like, yes, and I can't say more. I don't even remember what the question was, but it was the funniest. I don't want to talk about that answer ever. Crit like, couldn't even think of a way to like BS an answer to avoid. He's just like, I. Yes. No. I yeah, truthfully yeah. answer, but I regret as I answer. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
We uh, we are the only regions that did that. I think though, this idea of like the static panel. Well, right? like, you mean same panel for everything? What, what yeah, because they always had the same three, and we always had the same three as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, every other region was yes. shifting it up a lot more with the the casters and stuff. I mean, so we, that was yeah, interesting. We took kind of different approaches, especially with the remote broadcasts. Like the Americas just did this lean, mean kind of crew of all right, we got five people, we got our roles, and and that's it. Like no sick days, you know. There's just the, the, this is it. This is how we ride. And the grinders. Yeah. Well, there's a beauty mm-hmm. to that too because everybody sees everything, so you're all just like really on the pulse and um i i don't know you're, you're just connected in a way that you miss a little bit when you're not covering every game you don't watch them the same way when you're not covering it you know oh yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah that was really good it's the exchange for not being able to have the nice glitzy you know crane operated cameras mm, and yes. set and set up you know we're the grinders and we're just grimy as we watch each and every game and you know, get fully invested in our pajama pants. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. good. And our snowball mics and bad audio and all this shit. Yeah. That's my complaint. I don't want to wear dress shirts anymore. <laughs> I'm done, I Dota Pit. Simply I'm requested. Done. My request uh, to the talent for DPC, which I think is totally fair, yes, wear something good. you would just wear going outside, out and about, you know? Yeah, no graphic tees. No I believe, graphic was the one tees. hard rule. And that That's was it. that was tough enough for Suns fan, but he definitely made it work, and I give him the credit. You know, I had to go to the back <laughs> of the closet for this one, pulling out some sort of like you know that red polo. I swear, red every broadcast he like up. three shirts too tight. Jenkins <laughs> wore the same jacket every single day, usually with the same pink T-shirt under. Dude, yeah, I noticed Jenkins. Those I was there two, for checking you. Those two are on another level. Like every talent has like different things that they need help with, right? Like I've been at an event where I couldn't fucking tie my tie and I had to do the like, hey, can somebody please help me? I can't get my tie to look right. I've been there, right? But the first event that we invited Jenkins to, I think it might have been a Galaxy Battles, one of the ones in China. And he like maybe a week before we're leaving, he just sent me a message like, wait, do I need dress clothes for this? Like, yeah, you're going to want to have a jacket and a shirt. Oh, shit. Should I go buy some? Well, you're going to need to do something like just this. Le- it was like when Ryu Bora showed up at TI4 without any dress clothes. Like he just shows up with like, I don't know. I'm just kind of here. I don't know what's going on. Just like, dog, you're about. Look at Greg and Sheever. They look fantastic. Greg, he's got a pocket square for Christ's sake. You can't wear a T-shirt. You stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, God. I'll never well, forget the, telling them though, so they don't yeah. know any better. I'll never forget the tuxedo jacket though, Suns fan. The uh, what was it, DAC, whatever. One of the first events where we dressed up in the BTS studio. I don't know if were you there for that, Dakota? I can't remember. I think it was 2015. I no. wasn't there. I was in China, but they were doing. I think Bruno was there. Oh, they were doing yeah. coverage in the old BTS studio next to the kitchen. And Suns fan had one jacket, and it was a tuxedo jacket with, like, the silk lining. And then he had, like, one dress shirt and then all graphic tees. And that was that was the look. A graphic tees with a tuxedo jacket. <laughs> awful. Absolutely awful. Still good Top times. tier. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, yeah, it hasn't changed for them at all. They have an interesting type of work ethic. You know? <laughs> I can't tell if Suns fans live in the dream or live in a nightmare. <laughs> I don't think he knows either, dude. You know what I mean? Like at his age, it's kind of amazing to be on that schedule and be that nonchalant. Like every time I ask him about something, like last time I asked him about his plan for Valorant, he responded, "Bro, do you think I think more than a week ahead for anything that I do?" And I said, 
Well, I did before this conversation, but now I'm questioning everything. I don't. <laughs> what? <do> you... <laughs> He's a one-track kind of guy, you know. He like he gets into his like I'm working on Pog or I'm working on the tutorial now with Slacks. They were doing script readings the other night, and the guy's a fucking owl. Only what time does he even wake up? Like seven p.m. my time, or like yeah, three p.m. Pacific insane. or something. They just make it sound like it's a normal thing. Like, oh, I wake up at 5 <laughs> p.m. and go until you. forever. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, because Jenkins is the same way. That's the, the podcast I did with him was the Dota Degenerate. <laughs> right? I roll up, and I'm like, all right, gentlemen. They're like, I just woke up. I'm like, dude, I went. I had to change three diapers. I was at the farmer's market. You know, I yeah. had to do all this shit. And, it's, yeah, it's a different breed, you know? Nothing upset me more than when Jenkins told me that he was drinking three Red Bulls a day, and he was buying them as singles from the gas station across the street from his house. <laughs> Why does he always start with a <laughs> oh, gas dude, station? Dude, dude, just go to Costco and buy the fucking 40-pack if you're going to do that. What is wrong with you? You're paying 5X for Red Bulls. Get a Red like Bull he, sponsorship, dude. He uh, talks about it like he's a fucking, like, going out looking for rare flowers. He's like, oh, well, if you can find this one at a gas station near you, you're lucky. Sugar-free Powerade and the pink light flavor. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, he'll get his first kidney stone and change everything soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah. It's okay. He's Canadian. He'll be all right. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It won't bankrupt him. Does have a history of overreacting to medical stuff, though. There's a great story. You know, my my roommate now, he's like super in shape and works out a lot. When we lived with Jenkins, he was really concerned that he might have ass cancer, as he put it. Turned out he just needed to stretch his hamstrings because he sat down too much. But he was really <laughs> concerned because he was in America and didn't have health insurance. <laughs> what if I have ass cancer, dude? Like, uh, well, we can play the what if game for a while, buddy, but I don't think that's very likely. Um, Jesus Christ. Dakota, did you happen to catch the podcast that Bowie and I did with Jericho, the, the match fixer guy from South America? I did not. I did not. I have watched your uh, PP podcast quite a bit, but did, I did miss that episode. Did you follow that that thread at all, like that weird story about how they were banned? Like, Did you catch that? Like any of those details? Not quite. Give all me right. the TLD. All right. I, I want your reaction to this. Yeah. So basically, Jericho's on 0900. They're this pub stack that's uh, top of the lower division. They qualified through the opens, uh, and they were looking real good. Now, mm -hmm. they had gone 2-1 in a couple of their series after they had already gone like 4-0 or some shit um, in their, their opening best of threes. And one of them was against a really shitty team. So a lot of people said, hey, you didn't throw the series, but we think like that you were match-fixing by throwing game two after you stomped game one and kind of knew you could stomp game three. So you picked shit, played like shit, bet on the other team to take a game, and that was the throw. So Jericho uh, gets all triggered and upset about it, so he opens up his Twitch stream right. and shows the bets that he placed on his team to win those games to prove, Don't no, it. see, look, I didn't try to throw. I, try, I bet on us to win, and I lost money. And then people, you know, of course, said to him, well, buddy, you can't bet on your own games. <laughs> he pivots to, at least this is my interpretation, um, I think it was a pivot, that it was his friend that placed the bets. Yes, it was that his was friend's the news account, story. Uh, not his account. Um, and then it was just this, well, yeah, sometimes I tell my friends when we're in shape or when we're going to, you know, slaughter an opponent or if I know they Or we suck. have a stand-in. Yeah, or if we have a stand-in. And that's, you know, 
what's the difference between just talking to your friends and giving somebody a tip to lay bets on your behalf? I'm like, I don't know, man. So why don't we just not do any of it? How about that? As a wait, it was actually like straight out of an episode of fucking like Curb Your Enthusiasm or oh, something. So they he have, was like, still doubling up. down on the podcast. About oh yeah, he yeah, basically yeah. said like, yeah, I don't think that like inside basic. We didn't call it inside information, but he basically said that giving info to your friends is not the same as match fixing. And he doesn't think that that's like a bannable offense and would be very surprised if Valve Lifetime bans him. And that, you know, there's that whole dialogue about why is it wrong to bet on your own games if that's not intentionally throwing. It's because it's insider information. You might have a tip on the other team. And plus, bookies can leverage it if they know that you're a player and change odds around. All of it is bad. You just want to keep players away from any of that potential conflict of interest, unethical behavior, insider information, intentionally throwing, picking undying to throw first to 10 kills, but you still win the game. Any of that kind of shit. Just fucking play Dota and try to win with the best strat that works for you and pretend just the just odds block don't the exist. Site, yeah, just don't block it out. There. Just pretend they don't exist. Um, but apparently the rumor is that Jericho has been betting on his team to win and various prop bets for a long time and that he's been warned multiple times by different captains that, like, this is a bad idea. So, like, there were a lot of Spanish comments in chat. Like, when we streamed that podcast, it had like it peaked at 2.5K concurrence, and it was mostly yes. Spanish speakers because, you know, he's, he only speaks Spanish, so we had Swato there to do live translation. And so. you guys were only on for, like, 45 minutes or something. Yeah, Max. it wasn't a long stream. Like it, the the tweet kind of picked up traction Dang. that we were doing it, so it was like a big a big story. And I mean, Dota Pit was not really happy about it because they're like, "Yo, you shouldn't platform a match fixer." And I got really concerned about that as well. So we wanted to make sure that if we were going to do it, we weren't endorsing any behavior. It was just like a "What the fuck is happening here?" kind of investigation. And I'm glad we did it because I think it added to that dialogue of this unethical behavior. But Kind of wild just to, to see somebody dig their own grave a little bit. Like, I mean, do you think Valve's going to lifetime ban him? You know, you give info to your friends. They lay bets for you on your team to win. I, I think Valve will not take kindly to that. But then again, did they ever say that you couldn't do that? Could they get away by saying you never said that that's match fixing? Yeah, I don't know if Valve will just straight ban them or if it's going to take the next season go around and people to be like, hey, he's playing. By the way, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, oh, all right. This again. He's banned. Dude. All right. One yeah, of our fellow it, tournament organizers DM'd me after the podcast and said, you know, Val's just going to ban him two weeks into season two, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, God. You're right. I, yeah. That's the real question. Do you team with him now if you're a player? <sighs> Be like, nope. Uh, Don't care how good you are. I'm not, I'm not going near a potential ban. Probably not. I'm out of this one. That, that should be not. enough deterrent, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's the thing. Is it going to be one player? Is it going to be the whole team? That All this shit is so, so sticky. And you need all this cross-collaboration between the the betting sites and, like, whistleblowers. And it's, You basically need whistleblowers. You need the actual hard receipts or you can't do anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, there was a, you know what I mean? That, a that's tiny, kind of it. tiny bit of that in NA with the A-team because of the demon situation because they had to come through as demon of the player, and then they wanted oh, as a coach, yeah. and then they just had to get a new player. Um, but, you know, I would I, I would imagine if they played with them next year, uh, maybe they have the option to kick him out and bring in someone else. Is he is he done now? Like, is Jimmy just straight straight done? i got to pull up his Twitter. As it stands, like, there's a lot of information on demon that has obviously not been shared publicly 
you know, should it be shared publicly? I don't think that's for people to decide. It's a case on its own. And uh, with that information shared to the higher ups, they decided that he can't play. And I think that's just yeah. how it goes. You know, I'm I'm pretty OK with that. I It's one of those like if Valve says, hey, somebody came to us with evidence. We don't want to dox the victim by sharing the evidence publicly, but it passes our our checks. And, you know, we we feel confident this is legit and we're going to make a judgment based on this evidence. That's good enough for me. You know, just knowing that it, I don't have to see it. I, I, I'm willing to trust people that I trust with something that serious. Um, so yeah, I, I guess so. I last thing he posted on Twitter is that he's going to look into lawyers to clear the defamation of his name and will no longer talk about it publicly. And then he tweeted, Tom Brady is a legend. So looks like things are going real well. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, sticky, awkward situation. Obviously, with that whole perjuring, there's a lot of uh, NA talent in there that had to go, but they mm. had to go. And, you know, if something's wrong, then it's yeah. on them to find justice in their own ways. But as it's been decided, they can't play. And I, that's how it goes. I think Jimmy mostly defamed himself and his responses. That's the issue for him more than anything else. It does. Public perception matters, and he has like trip quadrupled down on his response at this point. So it's you know, good luck to you, um, dude. Pokemon MOBA. I'm looking at this screenshot, Trent, and I want to play. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. You're not looking at anything, sir. No, I de definitely did not send you one. No, Thank I'm looking you. at your public tweet of just downloading the your oh okay installing. that screenshot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, that's, I don't that's even the one we're talking about. Yeah, uh -huh. I don't even have it in the store because okay. uh, like Thank you. even this is hype for me. You're 11 percent out of your 500 megabyte download. I definitely didn't send anyone any screenshots because I'm not allowed where I get banned. Look, all right, look at you playing. Like, Trent, looks like definitely not looking to ditch the Dota ship here at all. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a, a Canadian beta. My brother sent me a message like, yo, you can sign up for the Canadian beta and have a chance to get it. I was like, oh, really? So I, I signed up, and I guess I got lucky and got a, <clears> a thing. <throat> the blast always goes down the mid lane. And <laughs> okay, I think I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I, I think I'm ready to go. Are you allowed <laughs> to talk about the gameplay, Trent, or is even that uh, privileged? I think probably not. There, there's a lot of, like, do not show, do not show, like, every time you click a screen. So I'm sure there's some things I can say. All I'll say is that uh, the controls feel very nice. I've never played a phone game. Okay. Thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the oh, it's a phone MOBA game. Uh, oh, it's going to be on Switch too. Switch and but phone. Right now, there's a Canadian open beta. You guys can if you just Google Pokemon Unite Canadian beta, you'll find the link to it. You can just opt in, and you might just get a notice on your phone saying you can download it. That's what happened to me. A phoba. Um, I've never heard it called that. I like that. That's pretty funny. Phoba. I imagine good. the controls on Switch will be very good based on how the controls on the phone are. But again, I've never even played a phone game and it feels totally fine. But I have a really small phone, as you can see here. I have an X1, XZ1 Compact. I love it. It's very tiny. Hell? I got the big one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's very hard to play a MOBA on something like this. But it's like, I mean, you only need your two thumbs, and honestly, it still works fine. It must be pretty simple, right? Like, no items also or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think um, Switch will be better, though. Like, I liked Arena of Valor on Switch. There were just less people playing it. But the actual controls mm -hmm. were, were pretty fun because the, the phone hurts your thumbs after a while. It's not that ergonomic, but the Switch is obviously way, way easier to play on. Yeah, hopefully it's cross-platform. That would be pretty cool. That'd be you could, like, play on your, your Switch and, like... Uh, do that but uh but yeah it's uh it, it is impressive i will say i enjoyed myself there's skins 
What? It's got to be my, skins. Gotta my Pikachu money. looks pretty I mean, dope. I'm not going to lie. Is it going to be free uh, to play? Is that the, the model? It's like freemium I believe bullshit? so. I think it's free to play and then unlock. Like, I think you get one of the, like, the Pokemon at the start and then you can earn. It's like League, I think, is the same system, right? Where you can, like, earn points to unlock heroes or you can buy them. Yeah. I um, just like that, too. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's hmm. fun. I'm uh, super hyped, dude. I don't know how long the rounds will be in the end. Currently, the system is a timed round system. Sorry, Pokemon, oh. don't ban me. I'm sure you're not listening to this anyway. Um, but that's one thing I really like is that there's like a time limit. It's like, okay, the, the game's 10 minutes. It's probably going to be longer in the real release. But right now, the beta is 10 minutes. Oh, so you I know see. how long you're playing for. And it's a score based. It can system. end earlier, or is it definitely only I think it can end earlier, but it would have to be, it, it looks pretty hard to end earlier. Wow. Dude. Yeah. And you start at level one, you level up. It's this is cool. the future. Oh my gosh. I got to study up on all these new Pokemons. I, I missed like the second half. I it's gotta... extremely basic, friend, who plays Dota. You will understand. Really? Yes. Dude, I'm going to be You're the not best gonna have Pokemon commentator oh, ever. All right. I think I can say this. I fucking, I played my first game versus people. I got a rampage. Or no, sorry. It was only an ultra kill. I killed four people by myself from full HP as Pikachu. It was fucking hilarious. Dude, you're uh, just picking on like ten year old Canadian Pokemon fans. Yeah, I really like, was. It how was do great. I, I was collect them? Just, yeah, I was like bullying people. I scored more of the little flag things than my entire team combined. Uh, which, you know, we'll Good. explain that. And I was the first round MVP. I had ten kills. Everyone else on my team had zero, except one guy had three. So it was pretty fun. Wow, I was owning. So do we know yeah. if there's going to be a competitive esports scene? Is this a backing that comes from a Pokemon side or a Nintendo oh, side? Because we know Nintendo, Nintendo and esports, it's always a bit kind of, you know. Although they went pretty in on that that one fighting game they have. What is that thing called? Pokken or whatever. And the Pokemon trading card game, they actually oh, do a lot of esports stuff for it. They put a I surprising amount Pokken. of money into it. Or is that you know how you mean? say it? Pokken? Pokken? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Pokken? But I, yeah, yeah. I imagine that there will be money thrown into this, yes. Okay, okay. Here's an article on oneesports.gg. Pokemon Unite could be the next big esports title. This article is written for every new game that comes out. Pretty exciting. Oh, wait. This is from... Is this a, a Nintendo employee? Senior say, analyst at Nico Partners. As it stands right now, I think it will be very fun, especially at LAN, if we're all like hanging out in the green room and playing this game. Like everybody, It gives me that feeling of like when Underlords first came out. And we all like Hell played yeah. together. Hell that will yeah. be this shit, dude. Like it is. It's really funny. It's just nostalgic enough. So it says uh, this is somebody I think that works at, at one of the publishers said that this genre is already proven to be very popular amongst young gamers in China and Southeast Asia. Um, it's going to be aimed at all fans, so it'll be like kind of casual friendly. Uh, looks like it says there will be no esports focus initially, but the game could become established for esports if the player base goes in that direction. And it said it would be interested in doing world championships like they have done with their Pokemon tournaments in the past. So is that like the Nintendo where they do those big Nintendo events and it's like championships for all their games? Is that what they're talking yeah, about? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Was there a unique Pokemon League? I never, I actually kind of forgot about that game. I think they just have a bunch of like little events with their with their cards and stuff but i think it's like decent cash considering hmm yeah there's, there'll probably be dev ran events for sure dude i'm trying to get in on this anybody got an in with nintendo this is it right here this is me i'm ready trent i i think the the initial plans were for a march beta open beta so i, I guess that's probably just been delayed maybe um but i i would imagine you'll get one soon 
fight. It, the game's in a good shape. Like it's definitely ready to be baited out a little bit. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. like uh more info's been coming out, so Damn, dude. Switch gamers. Doesn't matter though. I'm just going to be playing Strive the whole time, so. Yeah, there you go. 1 month, 1 month. You guys going to do an, so an event for that game, Dakota? You guys hyped up? Trent's been talking about this new fighting game like crazy. He won't stop. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to do a fighting game event again. I've been burned by the devs in the past, so. Oh, yeah, you guys got fucked hopefully, up by. <laughs> hopefully, they're more open to the idea of people getting in on some third-party Who action. owns this one? Is this a new dev? Or is Arc this... Systems, Arc right? Systems, yeah. I, I don't know these guys. Are they? Is there potential there? I don't know. I don't it's really not like know. they have like a. It's hard because like it's like oh I just I'll talk to their English esports team or whatever department and they don't really have that and it's you just got to show up one day just go for to their FGC, headquarters yeah shake you can almost get away them. with just running an event and the people back it and the devs not going to shut it down because they don't want to like go against the community but I know what you mean. But you don't want to be like a dick, kind of. Exactly, yeah. You yeah. burn bridges. You can't do it again in the future. You know, it definitely has been awkward stuff, even with us in the past on trying to do more Dragon Ball events, which is something I really had always wanted to do. But you there's know. that like ask for forgiveness thing. You know, it's like yeah. just just easier go to for ask it. for forgiveness than permission. Yes, that thing. exactly. That's mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, I can't do that. You know, I don't feel good doing that. But I know people can. Damn it, yeah, you guys yeah, are too mainstream slimy. now. You can't just roll the dice, say, fuck it, let's yeah. just do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's definitely a bit of a process, but uh, I definitely any, would love to do FGC. I see Guilty Gear fans. Uh, so far, I'm very, very drawn to Zato. I thought I was going to be a Amelia player, uh, but then I started picking up Zato. I'm playing some XRD. Dude, that guy's fucking hype. Zato's like the coolest shit ever. So yeah, I think I'm just a Zato player. He's the uh, one that has all the black shit he controls, right? Yeah, he's got the puppet. Yeah, he's got Eddie, dude. Insane. Zato yeah. and Eddie. Yeah, he's pretty insane. Yeah, he's fun as hell. <laughs> all right. Well, um, any closing thoughts here, boys? Any updates on the kids? We got more kids <laughs> than dads on this podcast. So, uh, you know, definitely want to give you guys a chance to talk about the little sprouts. They're sprouting. I'm surprised at how much feedback we've been getting because I think the Dota audience who are getting older are definitely of the high mind of we don't play as much we just like to watch the game like still definitely enjoy watching the game like as if anybody would watch the old baseball game or whatever yeah so they're in a position now where they're like throwing the game up on the big tv but they have kids and stuff so i was getting a lot of feedback like hey you know i love the show but the shit posting goes a bit too far and i have kids <laughs> and stuff I'm like damn dota audience is getting older yeah yeah so, i wear a true. headset when the boys are around <laughs> You know, so it's it's definitely interesting because I would love my kids to watch Dota and get into it though. But Dota's like that kind of game; it's a different breed kind of MOBA. With very much more sometimes. of an adult game. Yeah, yeah. we we had a uh, little Trent pop on broadcast a couple times. It was That's it was true appreciated. Yeah, had to be done a few times. You know, got to sit in on a couple panels, smash some keyboards. You know, that kind of stuff. You ever get very to flex the kids on broadcast, Dakota? Does that happen? Not currently, just with our home setup, my working area has been like in the midst of the living room. That's why I'm not even <laughs> at my home right now doing this podcast. Because any given moment, there's like noise pollution and kids screaming or pooping or something like that. So uh, when we make the next step, which is a plan for us to move into a, 
a house, like a bigger place, a homestead. I'll have mm. hopefully a, an office space to be able to handle stuff out from or Shut broadcast the door. or stream. And yeah, if the little man comes in and wants to join on the action, then absolutely. But for right now, it's a bit too hectic for me <laughs> to do anything like that. Hell yeah, man. Very cool. Well, buddy, I appreciate you coming on and shooting the shit with us. Awesome Thanks, to, uh, you know, get get to hear from the, the front row seat from North America. You know, the, the Americas unite. Together, we're almost a region that can compete with the likes of Europe. Almost. Yeah. You know, we with our forces be, uh, combined. We should be looking out for each other. And that, that goes Hell for yeah. the players as well. And something within the region. I always, I'm always a bit let down on when NA teams put each other down or something like that. It's like, you guys should be rooting each other on, or even for these two teams going on, yeah. like Quincy and EG should be like cheering for them to succeed in hopes of maybe getting another slot or something like that. So I think NASA should definitely have each other's backs, you know? Well, here's one for you, dude. little parting thought. There's this new uh, internet line going in that's direct from Brazil, I think, to Portugal. And the rumor is that, like, sub-80 ping connection from Brazil to Europe. So, like, you could play on Lux probably to, like, 90 ping, something like that. And that might open up potential scrim partners for Europe uh, into South America. And we could start seeing some of that crossover like never before. I know. And now I, I, a lot of oh, people say like, all right, yeah, what's the timeline on that? Like it's estimated to be done this year. I think it's already like they've laid the foundation and they've been doing private tests and they're going to open up the bandwidth for public use like in a matter of months. So Man. there's there's some potentially exciting stuff, dude. Technology is in an awesome spot. And that is imagine. Imagine we have this like like satellite direct beam internet, no ping and everybody could just scrim dude. and play who they wish. That'd be just such a wild world. Would have yeah. been very convenient during a pandemic. That's for sure. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But mark my words, man. I know Peru's been taking over South America, but Brazil it might might be on the rise once that tech gets put down and uh, people people know about it. Cheap, fast internet. That's a big deal for us. But folks, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Make sure you follow us, uh, YouTube, Twitter, all that shit. You know where to find it by now. Episode one seventy four done. We'll see you next time. Give Dakota a follow as well. He's just at Dakota Cox. True. One of these badasses. Uh, both of you guys, Trent and Dakota here, embracing the real name instead of these goofy nicknames. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Dakota Cox Cass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nah. gang. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Later.